Coming up, we're breaking down positives and negatives from the D-backs throughout this early part of the season as we head into this next series against the New York Mets. We're breaking it all down for you next. You are Locked On Diamondbacks, your daily Arizona Diamondbacks podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome into the Locked On Diamondbacks podcast, part of the Locked part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. You're listening to who? Miller Thomas, the always charismatic host of this podcast, a multimedia journalist, and a more graphic designer. So please go check out my website, MillerThomas24.myportfolio.com. I'm there. You can see all my latest work from my packages to my articles to my photos, my graphic design. If you want to see more content by me, just follow me on Twitter at CreatorThomas24 for my personal account, or just look up Lockdown Diamondbacks on both Twitter and Instagram for the podcast handle. And of course, thank you for making Lockdown Diamondbacks, your first listen every day. I would not be able to do this podcast without you, my loyal listeners, sharing, subscribing, reviewing, doing all that so I could do this podcast for you. Thank you. It's free and available on all platforms, so please continue to tell your friends. And also, this episode is brought to you by BlueNile.com. This Mother's Day, give mom something she'll treasure forever with fine jewelry from BlueNile.com. And Lockdown Sports listeners get $50 off a $500 order. Just use code LOCKDOWN at checkout. Now, as I mentioned in the cold open, I want to discuss positives and negatives from the early part of the D-back season. We're like two weeks in now. The D-backs are facing off against the New York Mets for the second time in the last week and a half. So I just want to talk about some positives and negatives. I got four positives written down, two negatives written down that I want to talk about. And then the final segment, we're going to wrap up the pod by some storylines I'm watching or just things I'm keeping my eye on as we head into this series against the New York Mets. So Let's first start positive. Let's start this podcast on a positive note. And the first positive I want to talk about from this early part of the D-back season is, of course, Seth Beer's breakout. This man has been phenomenal for the D-back so far. He is quite literally carrying the offense for Arizona right now. And here is where Seth Beer ranks among qualified rookies in all of Major League Baseball, or I think at least in the National League. He's first in batting average, 400 average, second in OBP, 462, second in slugging percentage, 571, second in RBIs with eight on the season. The one of the reasons why Seth Beer doesn't play every day is because Tori Lovello does not like to play Seth Beer against lefties. Well, Seth Beer against lefties on the season. Four for 11. So this man is crushing it against lefties. He's crushing it against righties. It doesn't matter who the pitcher is. Seth Beer has been crushing it for the D-backs this season, quite literally carrying the offense with runners in scoring position. Seth Beer, five for 12 on the season with all eight of his RBIs coming with runners in scoring position. This dude has been insane for the D-backs. He's, what, single-handedly won us two or three games for the D-backs this season when you think of that walk-off win, the first walk-off win of the season. That second walk-off win, Seth Beer tied up the game before Ketel Marte had that sack fly. And then I think in that 11-run outburst, Seth Beer had three hits as well, and I think you could say he was the main contributor in that game. So quite literally, the D-backs have, what, five wins on the season, four or five wins. I think they're five and eight on the season. You could say Seth Beer is responsible for three of them. That's pretty crazy when you think of a rookie. We knew 
At least I knew that this guy was going to be great for the D-backs. I knew he was going to be a real offensive contributor because he's been an offensive contributor wherever he's gone. And it's one of the reasons why I think the prospect rankings are so like weird. Like how can a dude who absolutely rakes in the minor leagues not be considered no, like a top 10 prospect in the D-backs farm system? I know his defense sucked coming up through the minor leagues but if you're saying this guy could be a 300 hitter a 30 plus home run guy 100 rbi guy like for a decade plus how is that dude not one of the best prospects in baseball it doesn't make any sense to me maybe we should put more value on the dh now that's a universal dh if a dude can't play defense but he's gonna be one of the best hitters in baseball uh i'm okay with still saying that guy's a top prospect even if he can't play defense seth beer you look at the hard contact numbers exit velo above 90 and over a 300 average against basically any pitch, fastballs, breaking balls, and off-speed pitches. He's a he has an exit velo above 90 and over a 300 average against all those pitches. So it doesn't matter what you throw at Seth Beer. It doesn't matter if it's a righty or a lefty on the mound. It doesn't matter what their pitch arsenal is. This dude absolutely crushes everything he sees at the plate. So Seth Beer, he's my first positive of the 2022 season for the Arizona Diamondbacks. The second one. Is the starting rotation looking really good? And this, all this credit has to go to Brent Strom for the work he's put in with these D-back starters. I mean, how many times have we seen Brent Strom already go to the mound this season? It feels like at least once a game, Brent Strom is getting his steps into the mound because he's been that crucial to this D-back staff. And they really do need his advice because every time they get into a little jam, two on, two out, Brent Strom comes out to the mound. He has a quick pep talk with whoever the pitcher is, and he almost always seemingly gets out the jam. So Brent Strom has been huge for the D-backs this season. Third best starting ERA in all of baseball, just behind the Dodgers and New York Mets, who have what? Five pitchers better than the D-backs best pitcher, if you don't count Zach Gallen, or I guess we got to put Merrill Kelly in that discussion as well. So Dodgers and Mets are the only two teams with a better ERA than the D-backs, who have a 2-5-1 ERA just among their starters. Fourth best left on base percentage in all of baseball. Their starters are doing a great job of not allowing those runs to score. 81.5% of runners get stranded on the bases. Lowest Babbitt, which is batting average on balls in play, so it takes out strikeouts, it takes out home runs. The D-backs, lowest Babbitt in all of baseball at 222. When that ball is in play, those balls typically get scooped up by the defense and are automatic outs for the defense. So great great job by the starting uh, rotation because whenever a ball is in play, it's usually an easy out for the defense. So they've done a great job doing that. And you look at some of the, the, the starts, the first three starts for some of these D-backs pitchers versus yesteryears, like for Merrill Kelly, who we talked about on yesterday's pod, we knew he was great in 2020 and Really, for Merrill Kelly, we were like, can he get back to that 2020 season? Like, was that a fluke for Merrill Kelly? It was during the shortened year. Some players had career years during the 2020 season. Some had all-time career lows. So for Merrill Kelly, he was putting together a career campaign before he had to undergo thoracic outlet surgery. And we weren't sure if we're ever going to see that Merrill Kelly again because he did not look like the same guy last season. Like I said, I thought he was the D-backs best pitcher last year, but does that mean he was... Uh, a legit number two starter in you know in the landscape of Major League Baseball. No, Merrill Kelly was probably pitched like a number four starter last year, but among D-backs pitchers, it was the best D-backs pitcher. So could we get Merrill Kelly back to that 2024? Well, so far, looks like Brent Strom has done an amazing job at doing that because Merrill Kelly, his first three starts in 2020, I mentioned this on yesterday's pod, 19.2 innings pitched, five earned runs, 
five, uh, five earned runs, 15 strikeouts. So very dominant through, through those first three starts in 2020. Well, how about this season? 15.1 innings pitch, so a little bit less volume. One earned run, you like to see that. 18 strikeouts, so less volume, but less earned runs and more strikeouts. You'll definitely take that. But this has to be the biggest piece of this little yesteryear's players versus today's players. How have they performed either better or differently? We talked about Merrill Kelly getting back to those 2020 numbers under Brent Strom. Well, let's take a look at Madison Bumgarner and how he started those first two years in D-backs uniform versus how he started this season. Because if you remember, and you probably do, Madison Bumgarner was very bad those first three starts of 2020. So let's take a look at it. Those first three starts of 2020, Merrill, uh, not Merrill Cuddy, Madison Bumgarner, 14.4 innings pitched, six walks, three home runs allowed, 11 strikeouts to pitch to a 7.04 ERA. Absolutely terrible through those first three starts of 2020. Well, could it get any worse in 2021? Yes, it can. First three starts last season, 13.2 innings pitched, eight walks allowed, 15 strikeouts, three home runs allowed, 11.2 ERA. His ERA went from a 7 to an 11. Well, how about the first three starts this season? 13 point, just 13 innings pitch, 10 walks allowed. So he's actually allowed more walks this season than the last two years. Nine strikeouts, so that has gone down. But one home run allowed and a 1.38 ERA. He's not allowing the same hard contact and hard damage that he normally does. So you can even see the Brent Strom effect with Madison Bumgarner. Tyler Gilbert, I thought, looked fantastic in his starting debut. Gallon looked good in his debut as well. And then Zach Davies hasn't been incredible, but in two of his three outings, he's given up two earned runs or less. So I look at the entire starting rotation, I have to say, good job by Brent Strom to really instill confidence in this rotation. And even though sometimes these pitchers look shaky and I'm not always confident when Madison Bumgarner's out there on the mound, I can't deny the results. He's not allowing earned runs. Whatever the reason is, even if I don't like his command or I still think there's a lot of issues with Madison Bumgarner and his pitching arsenal and his mechanics, the dude is not allowing earned runs. And if I and I know if Brent Strom was not on his D-back staff right now, Madison Bumgarner would probably have a similar start to what he had those first two years in Arizona. So shout out Brent Strom because you are maybe the biggest positive through the first two weeks of the D-back season. But I still got two more positives I want to talk to you guys about when it comes to the first two weeks of the D-back season. But first, if you want to talk about something positive, why don't we talk about some fine jewelry because... Whether she prefers a statement piece or everyday subtle elegance, BlueNile.com has fine jewelry options for every mom. Shop high-quality classic diamond earrings, elegant tennis bracelets, or gemstone pendant necklaces. Looking for fine jewelry but having trouble choosing? Blue Nile has jewelry jewelry experts on hand 24-7. Available via phone or chat to help. You find a memorable gift at every budget. Mark Mother's Day with something enduring. A classic diamond stud earring. Elegant tennis bracelets. Birthstone pennants. And so much more on BlueNile.com. This Mother's Day, give mom something she'll treasure forever. With fine jewelry from BlueNile.com. And Locked On listeners. Get $50 off a $500 order. This podcast exclusive is only good through Mother's Day. Use code LOCKEDON. That's code LOCKEDON. Plus, every order is insured, ships free, and arrives in discreet packaging that won't give away what's inside. Shop stress-free and find your forever peace. Go to BlueNile.com today. 
whisk into some more positives. I'm not even sure we're going to have time to get into what I'm watching from the D-backs this weekend, but let's keep going with the positives. Number three, I have bullpen feeling like there's more stable options. Now, if you look at the actual bullpen ERA, excuse me, by the D-backs this season, I still don't think it's that great, but if you had to break it down by player by player, I think the bullpen has been better than what we might even realize it, or might be better than what the stats actually say because the D-backs bullpen, number two in inherited runner's scoring percentage. What that means is the D-backs, when their bullpen guy comes into the game, the inherited runner that's already on the basis from the starter previously, 11% of the time, that guy's going to score. That's the second best in baseball. When the bullpen comes in and there's runner on the bases, they're more than likely not going to score. So they're doing a great job of keeping that starting rotation ERA down because a lot of times those starters ERA goes up because they come out five and two-thirds innings, but they leave with you know two on, two outs, and then the bullpen guy comes in and gives up a double. Now all of a sudden you got to tack on two more runs to the starter's ERA. The bullpen has done a great job of not screwing over the starting pitchers. And if you have to look at the bullpen as a whole, Mark Melanson, Sean Poppin, Joe Mantipoli, Mantiply, Mantiply, I think I always say his name wrong, Noah Ramirez, J.B. Wendelkin, Kyle Nelson, Humberto Castellanos, and Corbin Martin. That is one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight guys. All of them have a combined 43.6 innings pitched so far in the season, but only nine earned runs allowed. Most of the earned runs have come from Ian Candy, Caleb Smith, Matt Peacock, and Alvar Perez. Well, guess what? Caleb Smith is back in the minor leagues, and Matt Peacock is getting DFA'd off the roster, and hopefully Alvar Perez follows right behind. So, Ian Kendi is the only one there who really struggles that I like. And I think Ian Kendi, I mean, I've seen enough from him throughout his major league career. I've seen from the last couple seasons. I believe Ian Kendi can have a bounce back. And I'm still, I still have enough equity built in with Ian Kendi where I do trust him. Even though he's struggling right now, I would still give him more opportunities than I would give like a guy like Alvar Perez or Matt Peacock, who I just have no faith in becoming an effective reliever. I at least could see Ian Kendi turning around. I can't see that for a 40 year old Perez. So, even though the traditional stats with the bullpen ERA is not looking great right now, if you actually go player by player, I think the bullpen actually has a lot more stable options that the D-backs can choose from than as opposed to the bullpen options the D-backs have had the last two years. So I think that's another Brenstrom effect that we're seeing when you see that the bullpen is actually being a positive force for this D-backs team. And then the last positive I have from this D-backs team, because we know how bad the offense has been this season, but there is one positive from this D-backs offense this year, and that is they are super duper patient at the plate. This D-backs offense, second best walk percentage in baseball. They love seeing pitches. In fact, they see more pitches per plate appearance than any other team in baseball. This D-backs team does not want to swing the bat, okay? I don't know if that's a good thing or a bad thing. Maybe they need to be more aggressive in their po- in their approach. But right now, they're doing a great job of just taking pitches and walking and getting on base. Now, their OBP is not high because they can't hit for crap. But if you just look at their walk percentage, they're getting on base. Seeing second worst strike percentage in baseball. So, one of the reasons they're taking so many pitches is because they just don't see a lot of strikes. They see the second fewest amount of strikes in baseball. So if you're going to do that, I can't really get too mad at you for seeing all these pitches. And it's kind of working out for them because they have the ninth best contact percentage in baseball. So they're waiting for the pitches. They're making good contact with the pitches. It just 
probably the fact is a lot of that contact that the D-backs have, it's probably going to uh, either someone that's in a good defensive position or it's probably like a single that ends up leading nowhere. So uh, the, that con those contact numbers, they need to come through more with runners in scoring position because that's where the D-backs have really struggled. And the D-backs are getting themselves in good hitting counts. They've seen the third most 2-0 counts in Major League Baseball. They're also top three in seeing 3-0 counts. So the D-backs are always in a positive position when you just look at splits overall, no matter who the player is. It's dramatically better when a player's ahead in the count as opposed to being behind the count, which is not breaking news or anything like that. So the D-backs are putting themselves in advantageous positions. They just need to come through with runners in scoring position. They need to come through when they have these advantageous um, counts in uh, in their at-bat. So hopefully their offense can pick it up because it's been very patient. It just hasn't been very effective. Now, let's get into some negatives from this D-backs team this season. And we're only getting to one before we get to segment number three. And the one negative I want to talk about in segment number two before we wrap up this segment is Ketel Marte. His season had just been a struggle overall. No hits against lefties on the season. Just think about how crazy that is. Ketel Marte, if you look at Ketel Marte's splits, he's been better from the right side of the plate. He's been better against lefties in his career. So the fact that he's as the fact that he does not have a hit against a lefty so far this season is I don't know if it's concerning, alarming, but it's definitely on my radar, and I hope it gets better, or I hope it gets fixed soon. I hope it gets better soon as well. No hits with runners in scoring position this year. In 2019 and 2021, his OPS with runners in scoring position was over 1,000. He does not have a hit currently with runners in scoring position. I don't even know how that's possible. I think that's less likely than... Ketel Marte not having a hit against the lefties because Ketel Marte is so freaking clutch. He's so freaking good at hitting. And the fact that he hasn't been an RBI producer for this D-backs team, like, I know this team is not loaded with offensive weapons, but Ketel Marte has still been able to rack up the ribbies despite the offensive talent around him the last few years. And so far, he's not been able to do that this season. So the D-backs offense really wants to take the cap off, you know, take the cap off the lid to unleash this offense. It all starts with Ketel Marte. We know players like Carson Kelly struggling, and uh, you know you go up and down the lineup. Dalton Varsho, it really hasn't broken out yet, but if you want this offense to actually take off, it's going to start with Ketel Marte. His hard hit percentage on batted balls right now is around 25%. That number is typically around 40% if you look at it from 2019 and 2021, so his hard hit percentage is way down. Now, on the positive side, on the bright side, barrel percentage, or excuse me, that's not the positive. On the bright side, his launch angle and exit velocity are right aligned with his career norms. The barrel percentage is about a third of what it normally is. So the barrel percentage is not good. He's not barreling the ball. I think that's a reason why the hard hits have gone down because he's not getting that barrel to the ball. But it's still got the launch angle and the exit velocity is still there. So the ball's still leaving the bat. So, you know, when you look at exit velocity and hard hit percentage, sometimes it could be contradictory. It's like, how does he have a low hard hit percentage, but the exit velocity is high? Um, it's a good question, but just know exit velocity and launch angle are right there with the career norms of Ketel Marte, but the hard hit percentage and the barrel percentage are definitely down. He's just making less contact overall, and he's not chasing pitches, which is weird. So even though he's making less contact, it's not like he's chasing pitches and playing outside of his body at the plate. I think the problem is he's just striking out more and he's not chasing pitches. So the strikeouts are just strikeouts from swing 
threw strikes in the zone, which is concerning. Like, is he just not seeing the ball well? Does Ketel Marte need contact? Should that be the the caption of this podcast? Does Ketel Marte need contacts? Because I do not know why he is not making as much contact as normally does. The expected stats don't love Ketel Marte either. I don't know if he's putting too much pressure on himself or just kind of like that slump he had in 2020 where it was like a year-long slump. He just looked really weird at the plate. So I'm hoping we don't get that 2020 Ketel Marte back. Maybe he's one of those players where he's good every other year, kind of like a Mookie Betts. I'm not too sure, but the D-backs offense, hot take, needs Ketel Marte to break out of its slump or his slump if this D-backs offense wants, you know, wants to eventually break out on a consistent basis. It's going to need Ketel Marte to hopefully break out of his slump. Now, I got one more negative from this D-backs season that I want to talk about before we talk about things I'm watching from the D-backs heading into this series against the New York Mets this weekend. And it's mostly from Saturday and Sunday's game and a little bit of today's game too, depending on when this podcast drops. Hopefully it comes out before um, today's game against the New York Mets. But before we get into segment number three, that final negative and things I'm looking for from the D-backs against the New York Mets, why don't we talk about bet online? Because if you want to place a wager on how many runs the D-backs are going to score this season or whether Kentel Marte still has a chance at the MVP, you're going to need to go to betonline.net because it's your number one source for all your it's your number one source for all your betting stats and sports info. Find all the latest sports developments, league reviews, and news, including this year's basketball playoffs in the start of the Major League Baseball season. BetOnline is your continued source for all your sports wagering information, from live betting to playoffs, esports, and more. Head to the website today or use your mobile device to learn more about the trends and actions. BetOnline, where the game starts. Right, all right, all right. Let's wrap up the pod and let's get into our one negative before I tell you things I'm watching for from the D-backs against the New York Mets this weekend. And the final negative I have, it's just an overall negative that we all know. It's so obvious when we watch these games. This lineup does not score runs. This is not, you know, a minutia. This is not or a minutia. I don't think that's even a, a word. Or minutia is a word, but I don't think in that context, it, it, in that context, it makes sense. So, this is not a specific detail about what's wrong with the D-backs. This is an overall point. The lineup does not score runs, and here are some offensive stats for the D-backs of where they rank among Major League Baseball: fourth worst in runs a game in all of baseball, fourth worst in OPS. Peralta, Haven, and Seth Beer are the only three players with a batting average above 200 on the team. Fourth worst strikeout percentage in baseball at 25.8%. Worst batting average on balls in play at a 217 average. So their pitching was the best when it came to Babbitt, but their offense is the worst when it comes to Babbitt. And second worst run scoring percentage when someone gets on the bases, they have the second worst chance of scoring a run in Major League Baseball. So Across the board, the D-backs offense does not do good. Now, in terms of home runs, the D-backs are actually like top 10 in baseball, around 12 to 13 in baseball for home runs uh, across Major League Baseball. In the National League, I think they're tied for fifth or sixth. So the power department hasn't been too bad for the D-backs. The walks have been there for the D-backs, but in terms of just pure hits, it has not been there. 
The biggest issue has been runners in scoring position. I don't know why, but the D-backs have not been a clutch team this season. They are by far the worst team with runners in scoring position. So that's the biggest area they need to improve because if you just become league average with runners in scoring position, you will have a league average offense. And then with the league average offense, the D-backs will probably be a slightly above average or be in a slightly above average team or slightly above 500 team because... Like I said before, this rotation is pitching pretty well in terms of ERA. The bullpen is also pitching pretty well. If your pitching staff is pretty well and you got a league average offense, guess what? You're going to win some games in the D-backs. I think they should have more wins than they have right now. I think the D-backs should probably be a 500 team right now. There's so many games where I look and you say, the D-backs squandered that away. Like that one game where they had bases loaded in the ninth inning and they were not able to score a run. How many games have we seen the D-backs actually have an opportunity to tie the game up in the ninth, actually have the tying run come up to the plate, and they're not able to get it done? Because guess what? The D-backs really don't get blown out in these games. Typically, they have two or three chances at the end of these games, seventh, eighth, ninth inning, where they bring the tying run up to the plate, but they're never able to convert. So once they start converting those opportunities and runners with sco- and runners in scoring position, then this D-backs offense, you could take the cap off the lid because it will be unleashed, but you have to come through when men are on the bases and the D-backs have not been able to do that. So please, D-backs, pick up that offense because the offense is, of course, something I'm watching it's, of course, something I'm keeping my eye on for this weekend against the New York Mets because the D-backs in their last series against the New York Mets, they only put up six runs total. They were they were two for 21 were runners in scoring position. So I'm hoping the D-backs can greatly improve that. Another thing I'm watching for from the D-backs in this series, how does Nick Ahmed look? He's making his 2022 debut tonight against the New York Mets. I'm curious to see if the D-backs choose to play him another, you know, either in back-to-back games or maybe they rest him on Saturday, put him back in the lineup on Sunday as a starter. So I'm very curious to see how they use Nick Ahmed defensively if they and what kind of playing time they give him. Is he going to be back to just a full-time starter right away? I don't think so. I think they've discussed kind of easing him into the lineup. And defensively, how does Nick Ahmed look? Is he back to being that defensive wizard that he's always been? Because if Nick Ahmed has taken a step back defensively, well, we already know he gives you nothing offensively. So that would be a huge liability on this D-backs team if he gives you a little bit less defensively than he normally does because this offense, as we've already said, has been putrid, and Nick Ahmed is already a putrid offensive player, so adding his bat to the lineup is not going to help increase runs for the Z-backs team. And also, I want to know how Gerardo Perdomo looks at third base because the D-backs optioned Yanni Hernandez to triple A with Nick Ahmed being activated, so maybe Perdomo gets some more looks at third base. I think that's what is reported, and he has not played third base yet this season, so I'm very curious to see how Perdomo looks. Maybe he's the everyday third baseman until Josh Rojas returns, and then we'll see what happens after that. Also, I want to know, will anyone break out of their slump outside of a Seth Beard? Like, Haven Smith, I think, has been swinging a nice bat lately and has been putting together good at-bats at the plate. Dalton Varsho, his power seems to be picking up a little bit. Ketel Marte has a few doubles on the season, but will anyone actually walk away from this series, you know, going 10 for 15 or whatever, and we say, hey, that dude's finally starting to get high. They finally start to be on the path of having, you know, or, or finally start to being on the path of reaching their 
uh, career averages. So right now, you look up and down this D-back slot, pretty much every player is having a career-worst season. So will anyone walk away from this season start to be back on track toward their career average? I surely hope so. And the last thing I'm watching for this weekend is Ian Kendi. We talked about how he's the only guy who I trust who has been struggling mightily from that D-backs bullpen. So I want to see how he pitches this weekend because there were there will surely be an opportunity or two with Ian Kendi coming into the game in a high leverage moment where Tori Lovello trusts him and he's either going to have to get out of the inning or at least preserve the hold, do something to preserve um, the lead, or maybe if it's like the D-backs are down one run, keep us within striking distance of the game. So I think Ian Kennedy will have a chance to, you know, prove himself to D-backs fans because he's been struggling this year and he hasn't really had any positive moments. So maybe that could come this weekend against the New York Mets. Now that's it for this edition of the Lockdown Dimebacks podcast. Come back tomorrow for more Dimebacks news, or not tomorrow, next week for more Dimebacks news coverage and insight. Go catch up on any pods you might have missed since it's Friday. Please go check out. We had pods with Ryan Finkelstein of Locked On Mets and Sully Baseball of Locked On MLB earlier in the week. So go check out those pods. As always, thank you for making Locked On Dimebacks your first listen every day. Go make your second listen of the day, Locked On MLB with my pal Sully Baseball. And as always, stay safe and stay healthy. Deuces!